This podcast contains swear words. Hey there, everyone. I'm Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg, and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, a podcast about making art, making shit up, being creative, living well in the process. And although I'm coming from the perspective of a performing artist and the people I interview here are largely performing artists or artists in some way, shape or form, life is a creative act. We are really creating all that we perceive. And as I mentioned, I am your host, Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg. Who are you? Well, I'll tell you. I am a choreographer, an actor, dancer, writer, and educator. Whew, that's a lot. I'm a parent. I'm a partner. I'm a friend. And I really like dim sum. And you'll find out why I mention that a little bit later on in this episode. And I live on the unceded, stolen, ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations on the west coast of Turtle Island. Okie before we dive into a fabulous interview, if I may say to myself, it's really because of my guests uh, that it's a fabulous interview today. I would just like to please remind you to like, love, share, review, mention this podcast to your friends, spread the word. It makes a difference. It makes a difference with the, the algorithms. Maybe not if you say it to your friend. Well, no, it does, because then they'll go and they'll find it and they'll play it, and it does. It makes a difference. It all makes a difference. I would definitely promote real-life interaction over digital. I got to say that. If you have the means and uh, motivation to donate, that really does help as well. We do pay our guests for their time. They are working artists. They, too, need to eat. You can go to our website, www.terrashyan.com, upper right-hand corner, donate. Ooh, I'll go there. Take your right to the donate screen, and we'll put that link in the show notes. Okay, what a treat. What a treat. Our guests today are Ashley Whitehead, they, them, and Natalie Tinyangan, she, her. These two are a couple of my favorite people, really. They are artists here on the West Coast, as I am. Both of them kind of come from this dance tradition, but have blossomed, bloomed um, tentacles all over the place in terms of clown, interdisciplinary work. And what's really interesting, I think, in this interview is just like how they work uh, together, how they speak about their work. It's kind of so natural, like breathing for them, but is really, really special. I will put their bios in the show notes. They're both really, really accomplished artists. If you get to see them, jump at the opportunity. I say jump at it. Okay, let me just read a little bit about their latest show, which um, unfortunately has come and gone, but hopefully will be back. They're creating all the time. Entitled Lip Service, Breaking Down Barriers, is the latest physical theater musical performance show from Pulsive Party. We follow two vulvas as they discover sex for the first time, deal with a broken barrier, mistake STIs for friends, 
encounter hilarious obstacles along the way, breaking down barriers, tackle shame and taboo conversations. Ooh, amazing. Amazing. Gotta go see it. They are both also very active in improvisation. Ashley is pursuing a career in sexual health education. Where was she when I was 12 is what I'd like to know. Natalie is also one of the co-artistic directors of Hong Kong Exile and has performed work all over the world. And she is also a certified Fitzmorris voice work teacher. These two are amazing. I hope you enjoy our chat together. I sure did. Here we go. So welcome, Ashley Whitehead and Natalie Gann to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne. I'm so happy to talk to both of you. Big fan. So here we are. You two just finished your show. I heard so many wonderful things about it. People still laughing and reverberating, which I think is um, (laughs) a good word. So I'd love to hear about how that went, the name of your show, and are we going to have a chance to see it again? Natalie says it in the show, and it's so good. Lips, service, (laughs) too. Breaking down barriers. (laughs) Um, I've already forgotten the question, but yes, I'm sure we'll bring it back because this show revolves around a safer sex lesson plan. It touches base on a lot of stuff that's educational and appropriate for sort of high school, college, anybody above that. So I think I'm looking into ways that we can bring it to schools or health conferences. It'll definitely be back. Cool. Yeah, Tara, you asked, how did it go? I think we had a lot of fun. I feel like Revolver Festival 2023 was just stacked with incredible human beings and incredible acts and really, really special stories. And we felt really lucky and grateful to be a part of it. I think it was also fun to have our like last two shows sold out because it just meant that like as we got the show more into our bones and like as it as it got more unhinged in some ways I felt like the crowd also got more unhinged and so it just gave us more to play with and more to play to. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I love the word unhinged and what it represents. Can either of you talk about like as performers, what you mean by unhinged and how that influenced your performance and the audience? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I've been reflecting on this unhingedness as well, because something I appreciate about lip service as a project is that I don't perform very often, actually. Um, it's rare that I am, um, afforded a certain kind of like creative space for anything to happen and for like all of my tomfooleries to really arise or like for anything to be allowed to happen, maybe the permissions. And so I think unhinged means that certain, uh, diving into unknowing and embodied intentional unknowing, like a space of play and that's moving from joy. And so I think that's what unhinged means for me. And also there's certain, just a like a real time playing with the audience where we don't know how they'll respond, but we will respond accordingly based on how they respond. And uh, for me, I think unhinged also means a level of like surprising myself. Ooh, nice. And that I think anyone who knows me, knows that I just love surprise. And in fact, I actually speak to it in the show. And so I think unhinged for me means there's a, there's a correlation with surprise. How about you, Ashley? Yeah, that's great. For me, it all comes from clown. I think I think of the word unhinged as unpredictable, which I guess does resonate. 
But for me, I'm like, well, it's all in the world. Once we get into this world that we've built, it's so much fun to just like extend little moments. And you're like, oh, I thought that was funny. Oh, they thought that was funny. How far can we go? Oh, who knew it went into that thing? And then you're like, well, on to the next. And then you're just like pulling open these things that for me feel relevant. And yeah, they are surprising. And it's so much fun to, yeah, see where we want to take it, see where they want to take it end up in a new place and then even build on it the next night. Be like, Oh, we went there. Oh, well let's go there. But then let's go this way. Yeah. And embodied extension is so much fun. Yeah. And we don't know those things until we get it in front of an audience. That show is just, it's built with people. It's really fun. Yeah. I love that. There's a couple things that the two of you brought up, like creating in performance. I'm just really interested in this right now. And just kind of getting away from the notion that we go into the studio and make up our stuff and then boof, it's done and we present it to the audience. And instead of this kind of like living, breathing thing, that organism that we really don't know where it's going to go, it's it exists like for me, between me, all my collaborators, the air and the theater, the audience, all those things. And um I'm so interested because you two have worked together for quite a long time. Can you talk about, you know, how you've built this trust and this way of working that does create that space for surprise, which I feel like is so beautiful and important and makes such good performance. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we've been best friends for what, 10 plus years. Um, This whole project came out of like, I'd won a whole bunch of lotteries of the fringes across Canada. And it was going to cost too much money to take the group piece we made. (laughs) And I was like, Natalie, do you want to do the show that we always dreamt of when we have these like inside jokes for and like never knew it was going to happen? So it came out of, hey, we can do whatever we want. What do we want to do? And I think we're both very reflective on how we want to have a creative process and how we want to work with people. And I think all the way along, especially that first tour, we just kept trying to show up and be like, oh, we're afraid, or oh, we're not done, or oh, they started the show without us. What are we going to do? And it's like, well, we're going to pull on our values. Okay, I trust you. You trust me. We're going to take some choices, and we're going to deal with it after. I felt like we got really challenged, especially that first year. Um, and I was panicking. All my like trauma came up, and Natalie would hold me. And then, yeah, it was just moment by moment. No, we're going to just trust ourselves, and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to stand by what decisions you make and we're going to find stuff out and then we're going to deal with it. I think this question makes me realize that I think what you're speaking to, Tara, I take it for granted. Mm. I think it were, I'm so used to it. It is a little bit baffling that we write these little ditties, we make these little things and there's no director in the room. So there's not someone who goes in and, and says, oh, well, Natalie's doing it like this. So Ashley, can you try it like this? Or like, well, actually, you're not doing the same thing, guys. So so there's another part of that unhingedness where we don't actually have the time. I don't know what Ashley's up to, but I just know it's going to be good. So it occurs to me that I don't actually know where, but I think, you know, Ash, what you're saying, it's true that it stems purely from a relational trust and us in a rehearsal room is just an extension of us hanging out. And so the trust that we would have anywhere on a road trip or <laughs> on vacation or going to the bakery. Like, I think it's just an extension of, as opposed to a a separate space that we've designed. Yeah. And even on tour, I think we speak a lot about 
about trust, trusting ourselves, trusting each other and how and what that care looks like and how that might be different for the both of us, depending on like who needs what, when um, and what we're battling and, and what we're juggling. Yeah. And I think we're also we're both invested in trying to find pleasure, trying to find joy. And we're both trying to support each other in that. So when we're finding that in the studio or finding that in life or afraid of it, I don't know. I think we do a really good job of like, okay, but I'm your cheerleader. We're going to find a way. We're going to do it together. Yeah. I think it helps that uh, as humans, I think we have very kindred values and priorities as human beings. And and I think that 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 helps when we go to play or when we go to make art. Totally. I think it's so important and it's really, it's really beautiful. And I think it's subversive to this way of working that is about like orienting towards pleasure and joy and delight. That is, I mean, in my lived experience, not the dance model, for example, or the theater model, frankly, that I was trained in at all. In fact, if you're having too much fun, then you're not working very hard. And actually, the rigor, there is a rigor I'm hearing in checking in and like, how are you? What do you want? And how can I help you? How can we do that together? Which I think is a really important thing that we're not trained to do that at all. And I think it's just remarkable and inspiring to hear about it. So do you feel like in this practice, because I don't know that much about like all your back training, I know a little bit, but do you feel like you're working against or are you subverting your training or the models of theater and dance? And, and how does that feel? Or how do you think about it? Certainly the dance. I think when I found Edom, it was one step out. And then when I found Clown, I was like, oh, here we go. Because that is just rigor of playfulness. It's rigor of self. It's rigor of what is coming from where and how do I let that fulfill itself? It was everything I hoped for my personal life in creative form. And then it brought it back to my personal life. So for me, the clown that I study with David McMurray Smith, Fantastic Space Enterprises, is, is an embodiment of that kind of rigor that I hoped to have had and I think pulls from dance. It's just a different, like, what do you want to focus on? What do you want to harvest? And for me, it's creative play. I've done clown and love it so much. And I remember what the first time I did it in a formal setting, I was just like completely baffled that I was in a space where it was about me, where I was about what my uh, interests and desires and peculiarities were as opposed to trying to f- like fit an, an idea. The liberation was just like, <laughs> you know, uh, and it took me a while to, to really b- believe that it was a thing. Totally. And I think maybe I reached a point maybe 10 years ago where I was like, I've got no more bandwidth for anybody else's stuff. Cause I've spent my whole life personally and creatively like, I got to fulfill your vision. I got to be what you need. And I hit a point of like, oh my God, I have nothing. I can't, I have nothing to pull from. So I think clown for me was that as well. It was like, oh, I have everything I need. I just need to go inward and like, what's there? It's using what's already happening. 
every part of you can be extended into something. And then that gives you insight into that thing. And then you can play it and it's amazing. And you're your own theme park. It's huge. You're your own theme park. That's good. That does sound subversive. Right? It's the title of your memoir or your technique. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Natalie, do you have anything to say about that? I'm sure you do. Training, what you're doing now, how you make. Okay. I don't know if this is necessarily what I mean to say. Sometimes I think about the difference between punching down and punching up. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. And so I think in working or in trying to create work that subverts or that resists in my own grappling, I feel like I've struggled with maybe centering the thing that I'm resisting against too much. Ooh, nice. Yeah. What are we not doing versus what are we doing? And so I feel like one approach is, yeah, where, uh, where am I entering the conversation from? And so in For me, at this very moment, I'm cognizant of the fact that, oh, the word subversion doesn't necessarily, that doesn't feel in relation to what I've been working on and how I've been working over the last couple of years. Um, It might be the product or the process might be subversive, but I think it's been important for me to not necessarily define it as such um, and just define it on my own terms, which aka like, this is my joy. Nice. And objectively, I could be like, oh, you know, I haven't done that for a long time, but but to keep myself in that lane, the punching up lane. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. What you said of just like staying in the joy, right? I mean, I personally feel like the more joy and pleasure and delight, the more that takes up that space that does potentially become a subversive power. I'm thinking of the book, Pleasure Activism, and some of those essays in there that are so fucking mind-blowing and and excellent. I'll link to that book in the show notes. I feel like it's required reading. I kind of do. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you two talk about embodiment? You both use the word, I think, if I'm not mistaken, embodiment and how you as creators, performers, humans, how you see that in your work and how that feels. How do you define it? It's such a, it's such a great word. And I feel like sometimes it gets used in different ways. And I'm, I'm curious. Oh, I was just speaking. Go for it, Ashley. <laughs> you can alternate. It's, it's all a part of it. <laughs> You're ready, Ashley. Go for it. I guess the way I interpreted it from the clown work I do, the way that works for me is, is there a physical, an emotional, and an imaginative world that is working together to give me a wide sense of what this is in my body, in my heart, in my creative mind? And are they all working together in some form? Yeah. What is the world that has come out and how does that manifest? And that often feels when it, when I feel embodied, I feel full in each of those three areas. Mm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have a, as clear a sense, but I think I totally agree. When I think of being embodied, I feel like um, a certain level of, being attuned to sensation um, and and imagination as sensation also. And um, maybe I'll just throw out also, I feel like to be um, working towards embodiment for me is a project of like acknowledging many truths simultaneously. And so that to be aware of like where you might be holding tension and where you are open, to be aware of the fact that you're in pain, but you're also able to experience joy and pleasure and openness simultaneously. And that our bodies as ecosystems 
and mountain ranges. Like there's just a lot that can be happening all at once. And there's a lot to mine and there's a lot. Mine is so violent. I mean, there's a lot, as you said, there's a lot to playground. There's a lot to theme park. Oh, yes. And I think politically, it is profound to acknowledge that we are each many things at any given time. Sometimes those things are contradictory. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a crackle in that. I feel that kind of like, oh, yeah, like Pop Rocks. When you say, <laughs> are there still Pop Rocks? Yes. Okay, good. Um, that the multiplicity or even the contradicting things happening at the same time. Can we change? Can we make it a thing that to playground, we take away to mine? Because absolutely, that's like so violent. <laughs> mining an idea let's playground the idea can that be a thing now <laughs> i'm into it to playground yes yeah <laughs> we'll just do it and we'll just do it like other people should know and then we can explain it and it'll just be a thing okay yeah you heard it here first and then i realize that i'm also like in grant speak i'm all about to excavate but that one also a little <laughs> a little miney so well, why not like harvest why not like gather why not like I don't know. Yeah. What forage? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a whole other conversation. Like how to decolonize the grants. Writing process. <laughs> yeah. All those words. I know you get into the speaky speaky of that world. Huh? Hmm. <laughs> Although I guess what I'm stuck on because excavate and forage and harvest are different things for me. Mm. Why mine and excavate is like the project of going deeper and pulling out fossils so there's something about yeah i know this is a podcast and so no one can see my little fingies doing weird things right now but her fingers are doing um like kind of like claw like for the listener <laughs> and then and also like little paws too little paws <laughs> kneading like cat kneading <laughs> or the squirrel that comes by our balcony and tries to get the nut open <laughs> okay Okay, so it's almost like getting to the heart, cracking the nut is what cracking we're really talking the nut. about. Yeah. Peeling the onion. Uh-huh. We're changing language here, and it's this is high-level stuff. It doesn't happen instantly, but I love it. And I feel like your gestures are embodying this <laughs> process. Imagination as sensation, Natalie, you use those words. And I just, I wrote them down. It's like, Ooh another like ooh, pop rocks crackle in my head my memoir <laughs> yeah oh yeah and you both talked about um, imagination and I I feel like I'd love to hear more about how you think of that or how you embody that because I think uh like imagination maybe when most of us I'm speculating here think about the word imagination it's like hmm I will imagine I imagine myself walking across a snowy valley. I imagine this. I imagine that. But when imagination as sensation, well, that's another plane of inspiration. So last year, was it? Last year, I finished my certification as a Morris voice teacher after a three-year haul through the pandemic and after roughly about maybe, I guess, like nine years of study now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm old. 
<laughs> yeah, this is year eight. <laughs> and maybe I'll just very um, briefly speak to the fact that what really draws me and I think what my go-to as a facilitator of somatic voice work is image. Actually, image is my way in constantly, especially in terms of uh, relating to or finding an embodied voice. Image is everything for me. Image is playground. Playground is image. You know, where does it end? Um, <laughs> so a lot of, and not fits more specifically, I think a lot of somatic voice pedagogies use um, this notion of like the feeling that um, see feeling into your body and that's something you can imagine. And when you imagine it, there's something that actually chemically affects you, neurologically affects you. And so there is a physiological response to you thinking or dreaming up something and that that actually changes your body and it changes your breath and then it changes um, resonance and then it changes vibration. And so that to imagine is to, to be, <laughs> is to be alive in your own transformation. And so I think it's really cool that, uh, when I think of imagination as sensationation. Oh, <laughs> sensationation. I also think <laughs> that, <laughs> I also think of hope. I think it is something to be said for imagining what isn't, but could be. Yeah, yeah. I think that Ashley and I talk a lot about, um, is this the word that you use? Possibility? Mm -hmm. And that we may be, yeah, there's all sorts of truisms about our bodies as they are, and some we like and some we don't like, and some we feel thrilled about, and some that feel like um, challenges. Uh, but I think the project of the practice of Im imaging and imagining actually allows all sorts of, like, liberates us from our corporeal, what we perceive as our corporeal limits. And then the moment that you imagine, then you sense, and then you're then you're a dragon, and then it's great. Um, and then you're in the theme park. And so that's some of the things that I think about when I think about sensationation. That was amazing. So exciting. That was amazing. <laughs> Granting bodies. Give them money, please. Give them money. So much money. That's the, 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 your words are amazing. There's like three words that I just oh my paws are back. Oh yes. Oh crack the nut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the hope, transformation, and possibility, those three words, and the image imagining leading to or being part of that process of 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 hope and transformation and possibility, which just like isn't that what we're doing as artists? I think. Um I hope, I hope I am, is creating with that hope and transformation and possibility and things we don't know. And just to loop it back to what you two were talking about, about audience and being unhinged and working with each other and the whole, like, you see what happens and you just deal with it, that that is that imagining that transformation in real time happening, which I think is such a strong part of both of you as performers and creators is that holding of that space. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing. Ashley. Well, and as like facilitators of play space, I guess that for me, that's kind of our role. Like, yes, we'll bring this world. We'll bring this thing we've crafted and invite you into it. 
but part of the opportunity is what are we making together? What is what are we meeting in that's unique in this moment between audience, whoever's there in the audience, whatever we're bringing that night. Part of our role, I think, is like, what's the unknown that we found together? How do we help hold that and be like, whoa, and then point at it and be like, whoa, and then like, look what we made. And it's like alive because it's in that moment. It's only going to happen then. It's It takes us all being there together. Face to face, usually for me, I guess that's part of the point of live performance. <laughs> totally, because that show only existed that one time. And the next night, the audience that sees it, they're seeing something different. There, there's a different mm-hmm. creation. There's a different thing that didn't exist before and won't exist again. And it's it's so beautiful. It's almost a little bit poignant to what we do. But that's nature, right? It's it's always changing. Life and death. Life and death. Oy vey. Hmm. Here's a fun fact. I learned this recently. Just I'm just looking at the word hope because I wrote that down. And just like looping that back into embodiment and you're both so exquisitely physical. There is an actual chemical that your muscles produce when you flex them that is associated with the emotion of hope. No. <gasps> just blew my mind. Yes. Yes. There's actual science. They're working on the science of when we move, that especially when you kind of like do hard things, <laughs> you know, lift things, run. Brr, yeah. Um, I'm really into lifting weights right now. Um, that you actually, you produce hope in yourself and in the people around you that you do things that are associated with communal well-being. Anyway. Whoa. Only flexion, not extension? Both of them. It's a pumping. There's something about the pumping of the muscle. Got it. Yeah, I know. I have to do more reading and I will share what I find. Please. I know, right? (laughs) I want to respect your time because you're busy making shit up. When I say shit, I mean that in the most you do (laughs) respectful. And that's what we do. And it's incredibly important what we do. Talking shit, making shit. Just a little bit, the sexual education and your show and how you hope that your creation can maybe facilitate some really necessary growth in terms of sexuality for younger people. But frankly, I'm 50. Man, bring it on. Because the shit we learned, garbage. Really, quite a lot of garbage. Growing up in the 80s, I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? I don't know if growing up in the nineties was all that much better, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, the young folks actually have a lot of resources. They also have a lot of access to misinformation. Maybe they go hand in hand, but I mean, certainly I think if our show or the things we're doing, of course, there's a lot of jokes from our era. If it only reaches our age and up, I think the world would still benefit. Like it's, there's so many of us that don't still don't know how to talk about sex, about safer sex, about um, communication or boundaries or STIs or um, what healthy relationships look like for us. Like there's skills that we all need as humans, which I think was kind of my interest from the beginning. Like these are just human skills and the better I just know how much of an impact it made on me when I finally got this information that, oh, I have access to tools that I didn't know were out there and that I didn't know would help me to build my relationships, all of my relationships. But yeah, if 
and then coming from clown, the more we can make information and education playful, like that's how we're meant to absorb things. That's how we're meant to learn. Um, how do we make humor? How do we bring humor and play into something and make it more impactful? Like it'll register better. It'll make it applicable. It'll make it like accessible. People leave the show and they're like, did you know that? And oh, I've always been afraid to talk about that. And like the partner's like, is it really like that? And you're like, mm-hmm. like it's, it sparks conversation. I hope. Did that answer any of your question? Yeah, it totally did. It totally did. Natalie, do you have any stuff to add on that? Yeah, totally. Just agree uh, to, to, to open those doors, to spark conversation, to destigmatize. It's very key for us, particularly with this piece. And make it just more of a thing that is allowed to be talked about. Like, in some ways, we have been wearing these Velva outfits for so long that we don't think it's subversive anymore. And yet, it is, question mark. And, and, and yeah, and to even appreciate and respect that, that everyone's coming to the table with different thresholds of uh, comfort with regard to the conversation. I think it's like... It's very tricky, even culturally, for me to be involved with this show. <laughs> um, and it's always, you know, we joke about it. It's always a complicated thing for me to articulate, like to invite my mom. Right. Yeah, yeah. That That is all to say that I think that all sorts of different demographics and populations have, again, lots of things, lots of barriers in the way of these conversations and i i meet them in myself and and so i i know for a fact that uh that to be sitting at this edge at people's edges i think is a very um one is a very effective thing that art gets to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. live performance gets to do um and I do think that uh, we are quite charming. So it, we get to disarm folks with our goofy dance and big song. And and that, if that is a way in for some people, then wonderful. You are so charming. <laughs> and in your vulva costumes, oh my God, it's just, I just love it so much. Did your mom come to the show? My mom did come and she sat center center and she had a wonderful time (laughs) and i will say that she said some unsavory things about the first lip service so it was a bit complicated for me to uh be courageous enough to re-offer another invitation but i just thought that this one's got more song and I was like, if nothing else, you may bristle at how explicit the content is. And I suspect you'll enjoy the songs. And so I was like, that's a good way in. But again, actually, maybe this just brings up the fact that it's interesting to me that I already judged how she would receive the material. And had I not invited her, I wouldn't have given her the opportunity to show me hmm whether the work resonates with her or whether she wants to engage in the conversation as as someone who's of a different generation and for the material that we have like labored over for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks um like how yeah how that sits with her lived experience and her body and her own sexuality and so i could have not invited her but it was the cooler thing to do to invite her and she really showed up all smiles and giggling like a buffoon and 
And she did this thing where she like came up to me afterwards, like she was excited to meet the, the dance artist behind the show. <laughs> it was really so sweet and so silly. Oh, that's so beautiful and totally brave. My mom for my last show doesn't live in town. She's like, oh, I wish I could come and see the show. And I was like, well, it's okay. It's okay. There's mom bits in my show. Mm. <laughs> but also just that generosity of how are they going to show up? How are we all going to show up and, and be open to that? Because we're all coming from such different lived experience. Um. Just one last ridiculous fact. I'm sure you both know this. I learned this not too long ago that the actual anatomy of the clitoris was not discovered and fully documented until the 1990s. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's not a surprise, but it's also like, so now I'm like, of course they know nothing about perimenopause. They just discovered the clitoris. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's so helpful to point that out because, I mean, the more indicators we have of where the research has come from, the more we can know for how we're absorbing information and the better we can do now. Yeah, exactly. It's so crucial that we acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. How young. Yeah. How fresh. It's informed how we known about it. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I think we often, like we, I often think, well, I'm just a dummy or like I didn't, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> read the right things or blah, blah, blah. And actually to acknowledge, yeah, like what we're living in and um, under-researched all this is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you say that, it reminds me just by hearing that I'm compelled more to trust my own experience, knowing that that information, knowing that knowledge is proven false, like the decade after, like knowing that the science is so fresh, it's like, oh, right. There are things we don't know. There are things we misunderstand currently that we will prove false soon. And so perhaps I'll just know best for me. Maybe I take matters into my own hands and consider what facts or what resonates or what's true. And yeah, trust my own body. And advocate for other doctors. Like go to somebody else. Go to a new source. Keep looking because we know that it doesn't have it all. Yeah. And then advocate for more. And then totally. Yeah. And just like trust your own body and use that as your as your North Star kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so important. That's such a beautiful. Mm-hmm. I know, I forget, you know. Okay, I have two last questions. My penultimate is, is there something you wish I had asked, but I didn't? Were you going to say two things or was that? I'm going to leave you with that one and then I'll ask the second one. <laughs> what if it's the question you're going to ask? Oh, okay. That's a really good point. I love this. I love this. The second question is, is there something that you do a practice that you're doing right now or that helps you stay creative and inspired? And it could be anything from like, I've been putting extra protein powder in my smoothies or I, <laughs> I spin 80 times in the morning. Answer either one of those questions or, or neither as you wish. It's a beautiful question. Um, Okay. Things that are supporting me keep the creative fire lit. Things that make me happy. Eating good things with good people Mm -hmm. is maybe the heart of my practice. Um, Tending to our outrageous garden and collecting herbs is key and keeps me grounded and keeps me moving at a slower pace than than I think capitalism wants. Mm, singing in the car. Oh, nice. 
Is there something you're eating? Like I, now I'm like, hmm, yummy. What are you eating? <laughs> Any highlights as of late? Yummy things as of late? Probably. Um, I was at Kishimoto last night. Mm. having a bori sushi, oh, oshi sushi. And I was just having like the best spicy tuna I've had in a long, 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 long time. And then um, I took my mom, the day after we wrapped, I took my mom out to dim sum mm. um, at the amazing Brentwood. And she's been waiting for me to take her to dim sum at the amazing Brentwood for like three months, but I just don't ever have days off. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we had, oh my gosh, this like Mm, shrimp wrap in donut wrapped in purple rice roll, something of the something of the like with some badass sauce. It rocked me. Oh my god. It rocked me. And then I just transcended and felt like <laughs> like a ten thousand ancestors on horseback. I can see it. Haven't come down since. Oh my god. I haven't come down since. Okay, I've gotta go to Brentwood to go for dim sum. I fucking love dim sum. Oh, I live for dim sum. Ashley. I was still trying to think of a question that you hadn't asked. <laughs> what are we doing for our creative practice that helps us stay creative? Yeah. I think just, I think for me, it's, I would say it's the same as my life where I'm just, when I wake up, what do I need to feel connected to myself? Because that's not only where everything's going to come from that I want to explore, like by making myself accessible to myself, I'm able to feel my delight. And then explore material. You know, when I wake up anxious, I'm like, oh, there's the anxious mask. Let's nom, nom, nom on some juicy anxiety. And uh, and it also makes me available to other people, which is the entire reason why I perform. So what do I do? I sing and I move and I, I river and I breathe and I cry it out. And it's just an everyday hope of connecting to myself. Yeah. Did you say I river? Did you say that yeah. as a verb? I don't know what that means. Yeah, uh, that's a, a clown thing. It's meant to describe the period where you're following, yeah, sensation, imagination, emotion. You're looking for what's in to externalize and you river and that you follow a thread of impulses and hopefully like let things like come to fruition and then you... You're trying to have less of a like mentally guided approach and more of an uh, embodied guided approach. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I call it, I follow myself. Like I'm following a toddler around. Yeah. But to river is like, to make that a verb is so delightful yeah. and potent. All right. Thank you both so much. This has been delightful and illuminating, and I kind of can't wait to talk more. I'll link to your Instagrams and your information so folks can find the next lip service show and the next projects that you're both working on, because I know you both are working on many things. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is really fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Natalie and Ashley, for spending time with me and having such a fun conversation. I can't wait for our next one. Please get in touch with us. You can try Instagram, Tara Cheyenne TCP, Facebook, Tara Cheyenne Performance. Does anybody use Facebook anymore aside from my mom? You can email at info 
at TaraCheyenne.com. Love a, you know, traditional email. Totally works. I look at my email. I don't always want to, but I will read it. Talking Shit with Tara Shine is a project of Tara Shine Performance. It is produced, edited, and with original music by Mark Stewart. You can get in touch with Mark at MarkStewartMusic.com. And the quote I will leave you with today is from Colette's. What a wonderful life I've had. I only wish I'd realized it sooner. Oh, we'll see you next time. Keep making shit up. Take care of yourselves. Breathe deep. <sighs> this podcast is effing good. It rocked me. There's the anxious mask with nom, nom, nom on some juicy anxiety. (laughs) It rocked me.